You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 45 of the Fly the W670 Podcast. We're calling this one Schwarber's Team versus Dusty's Team Crowley. The World Series is upon us. This is Dustin Rhodes, Executive Producer of the Mully and Haw Show. On 670 The Score, of course, it is your radio home for Cubs baseball. And as always, my buddy Crowley is here. Crowley, how the heck are you on this uh, Friday as we are just about set to get ready for World Series game number one? Schwarber's team versus Dusty's team. Yeah, I'm doing good. You know, I'm doing better than anybody who has the title of Cubs hitting coach. Um, <laughs> I would say that you could follow me at Crawley's Cubs on Twitter, and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FlyTheW670. You can follow us on Facebook at FlyTheW, and you can email us at FlyTheW670 at gmail.com. I got to tell you, Dusty, Dustin, I am excited. Uh, finally, after five days, we get some baseball. Yeah, finally. That, 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 I know we touched on it a little bit in the last podcast, but boy, oh boy, they really dragged their feet on this one. I, I just don't understand why they couldn't have started on Wednesday. Plus the other thing, and I don't know if you want to get you want you want me to pause on these. You want to get into, into the AFL first before we get into no. Let's go ahead. Go ahead and go. Stuff. Let's let's roll it here. We'll roll it. What do we got? Uh, just the idea that baseball for the very first Crowley. Did you know this for the first time? Baseball is not going to have a World Series game on a Sunday. It's the first time in the history of the World Series that there will not be a Sunday game because they are so afraid of the NFL. I just, you know... That's why they're starting on a Friday night. That's why they're starting on a Friday night because they're afraid of the NFL. You, you know, you, you just can't, you can't be running scared, man. You sit there and you put out your product and you put out the best product that you can. You market it to the best of your abilities. You know, the same people that, you know, are going to not watch on Sunday aren't going to watch on Saturday because they're going to watch college football. That's just the right, way that it goes, man. Right, just exactly. let baseball be baseball. It's when it when it comes to the marketing skills of MLB, that can be a whole entire podcast. <laughs> and I know I'm going to sound like, uh, you know, kids get off my lawn or whatever, but this is for this comment is for the kids. That game on Saturday, that game should start at about four o'clock central, three thirty central time right make sure that some kids are going to get to see a world series game everything doesn't have to be at seven and eight o'clock at night it's ridiculous 
No, I, I mean, I get what you're saying. And, and, and you're, you're, you're dealing with all sorts of different things that these guys kind of always, you, you just, you know, TV rules the world, unfortunately. And that's where it gets irritating. It's all about the money. It's all about the Benjamins. And I, I wish, you know, like I said, I, I think all of it's foolish. Um, at the same time, I, I just, it, they're not going to go away from that. I get what you're saying. It'd be nice to have a day game. They, th- you know, they believe that primetime uh, games are the ones that are going to sell. But like you said, you are uh, missing out on the younger fan base as guys like us get older, Dustin. Right. I know they're not going to play a Friday day game, but I mean, Friday night television is about the absolute worst TV night going out there. And plus, all over the country, as we sit here this afternoon, you and I, four o'clock hour, there's high school football games, playoff games going on all over the country. On Friday night, on Friday night, Friday night lights. So you're missing that whole group of people too. You know they're they're not going to skip their kids' uh, playoff football game or their community's high school football game to watch a World Series team with the Astros and the Phillies. No, no. I mean, and, and so you know we're just going to keep. You know, people are going to wonder why the World Series numbers are down, this and that, but they never ever just look in the mirror. That's about the easiest solution. All right, well, let's talk about some guys that someday hopefully are playing for the Cubs and are playing in the World Series for the Cubs as we've got some baseball going on right now as we are recording this, Crowley, with the Solar Sox. Yeah, the Solar Sox right now, 10-9 and in the Arizona Fall League again. you got uh, six teams. Every team sends a certain number of players, and the Cubs have some uh, pretty interesting prospects there. Um, On Monday, the Solar Sox beat the uh, uh, Rafters. Three to one. Owen Casey went two for three with a double and an RBI. Zach Lee picked up his first save in the AFL, went one inning, only issued one walk. Solar Sox didn't play on Tuesday, but on Wednesday, Mesa lost to the Saguaros, five to four. Matt Mervis was one for four with a home run. Owen Cassie went 0 for four. Unfortunately, that snapped the four game hitting streak he had going. On Thursday, the Solar Sox beat the Saguaros, this time in Mesa. Uh, six to three, no Cubs batted, but Riley Martin got the hold pitching one inning of scoreless ball. But just looking at some of the stats right now, Mervis is slashing 308, 364, 744, and he's tied for the fall league lead in home runs. It was funny. Our friend of the podcast, Lance Brostowski, was shooting out in Arizona, and literally as they're shooting, he hits a homer right behind them. So <laughs> the guy, you know, I don't care what Keith Law says. I'm going to have fun with this and be excited. Owen Cassie's an interesting one. He's a guy that came over from the Darvish trade, right? Uh, he's hitting slashing 250, 286, 425, which, does, which doesn't seem impressive. But he's starting to heat up. He had a four-game hit streak and a four-RBI game last Saturday that included his third double and his first home run. The thing about Cassie Owen is that he is a young guy. He's 19 years old. He's three years younger than the league average that are out there in Arizona. So, you know, he's playing against uh, older, bigger, stronger competition, and he's holding his own. Um, Bailey Horn, who's one of the relievers out there, has pitched 10 innings without giving up a run in six games. So that's exciting. Um, Unfortunately, it was reported by Tim Stebbins that Brennan Davis, out since October 10th, is dealing with general soreness. They're totally keeping it generic. They say it's not related to the issue that he had that kept him out this year. Remember, that was a nerve issue in the back. Right. Um, but he has not been shut down. But I keep hearing expected in the lineup soon. This has been close to 20 days now since he's played in the Arizona Fall League. So the Fall re- League wraps up in early November. 
I, I don't know how many more at-bats uh, Brennan Davis is going to get. Right. Well, I'm kind of one of those bubble wrap guys. I mean, I would like to see Brennan Davis get an opportunity in the spring training. So if they think that something's not right, I'm okay with this as long as it's not something too big that they're not telling us about Crawley. But if it's just general soreness and they're just being careful, I'm okay with that because I want to see what Brennan Davis looks like in late February and March with the, uh, with the Cubs out in spring training. Well, hopefully he's okay. And I know the one thing that both he and the Cubs have mentioned is obviously his strength is not where it was with that issue. Obviously, you know, you lose ability to work out and stuff like that. So, you know, Hopefully he's okay, and then in the offseason he can really work on building and bulking up a little bit. Um, one other cool thing that occurred during one of the games out in Arizona, my friend John Furlis from Real Cubs Insider, he reported that the ball strike challenge was tested in a game against the rafters at Salt River Fields. And so the, these are the kind of things that they kind of play around with in these type of leagues um, for possible future use in MLB. And what that'll do, and, I do, and, and I, I, I'm going to look into this more, is that you can challenge – you know how balls and strikes you can't challenge in baseball? Of course. In the Arizona Fall League, you can challenge it <laughs> in certain parks. In certain Doesn't parks, that slow the game down, Crowley? Come nope. on. They put no? it right up there, and you can see it on the Jumbotron, similar like you do on the TV. So Very simple. kind of thing? Okay. Yep. Boom, boom. So – um, it was used a couple of times. Nobody complained. It's not like you're sitting there staring at a replay 10 times. It either is okay. or it isn't. All right. So All right. might be interesting. Um, unfortunately, some sad news. Alexander Canario. There's a lot of players that aren't just playing in the Arizona Fall League. There's leagues. There's Mexican leagues, Dominican leagues, Venezuelan leagues. They have uh, guys playing in Australia. Alexander Canario, he's, somebody, he, he's a top prospect that came from uh, the Chris Bryant trade. He was doing great. It would, you know, if Matt Mervis wasn't absolutely destroying everything, we would be talking about Alex Canario's spring train or uh, 2022 season a lot more. And he is doing great. He was playing for Los Aguilas in the Dominican Republic Winter League and also hitting the heck out of the ball just like Mervis. He got injured yesterday. He suffered a bimalolar ankle fracture and a left shoulder dislocation. So he is going uh, clearly going to be shut down. He's going to Chicago to get it checked out. Um, it was a scary injury. And if you remember, and we talked about this before about our friend Ed Howard uh, with South Bend, it was a very similar type of scary injury, fluke injury, where um, Canario's running down the line and the ball kind of drifts a little bit towards the for the dugout side of first base. And so Canario collides with the first baseman and kind of literally like he's knocked off his feet and lands on his side. And so that's what got Ed Howard that lost his year in South Bend with the Torres hip. And this is the same injury here. So when we're talking about um, the changes coming next year, as far as the increase in the size of the bases, this is one of the things that you're hoping will be avoided in the future. Yeah, I woke up to that news. A friend of mine that keeps odd hours like I do is up all night, and I get up super early. Uh, for those of you who listen to the Mully and Haw show, and I woke up to a text, not with all the details you just gave, but that there were reports that this uh, young guy had suffered a really bad injury. 
So hopefully all the best to him when he gets up here to Chicago, gets checked out by the Cubs uh, doctors, and hopefully he'll be ready for spring training. But uh, fractured ankle might take a little longer. Hopefully it's not something that he needs surgery Well, for. you know, Dustin, the, the trouble is with this situation here is that you say, okay, yeah, you know, you'd love to see him up in Chicago and, and da-da-da. What you have is, and we've talked about this before, is a glut of outfielders, right? And right. so you have Suzuki anchored in right, and you have um, – you have Hap, who you who could potentially be extended. Like I said, if, if David Ross had his ways, uh, Hap will be extended. So that leaves you with one open outfield spot for a lot of guys. And so when you look right now at the free agent pitcher market, which we'll do once the we wrap up with the World Series, we can dig into each of these positions a lot more. But I am thoroughly unimpressed with the starting pitcher free agent market. Okay. And so when you look at that free agent market and you say to yourself, "Eh, do you, you know, we'll talk about Justin Verlander having a great years, but how many years and how much you want to give that guy, Carlos Rodon, we've talked about worried about injuries with that guy. There's a lot of guys that are either old or achy, uh, Jacob deGrom, you know what I mean? (laughs) When he's healthy, one of the best pitchers you can have, (laughs) but, but, but a guy that just cannot stay healthy. And so, okay, if the free agent market may not be to your liking, that's part of the reason you build up a big farm system is that you have a glut of talent that you could potentially trade to somebody else. So exactly. Canario was exactly one of right. those Canario is one of those guys that's been mentioned in the offseason as a potential trade bait, um, you know, for a good young starter. And now that's off the table. So it's really, really a frustrating situation. Right, that definitely puts uh, puts that on hold. Another frustrating uh, thing, one of the stats, Crowley, that we went over quite a bit uh, on the Fly the W670 podcast was uh, good old Rispy, right? Runners in scoring position. Well, the Cubs are trying to fix that because earlier around lunchtime, they fired the hitting coach, Greg Brown. Right, and 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 what I always, what I was just saying personally is that being the Cubs hitting coach is the equivalent of being the drummer from Spinal Tap, okay? I mean, it is literally a mess of a situation, and why they cannot figure it out, I have, I, I, I can't even tell you. All I know is that every, it's literally like an annual thing. The Cubs have fired hitting coach Greg Brown, okay? So when we talk about Greg Brown, he is the 10th primary or assistant hitting coach to be fired by the you know, whatever you want to call him, Theo Jed regime. And so just the, the numbers of guys that kind of keep going is absolutely just, this, this kind of gets silly to, to a certain point, is that it's just nonstop. I mean, whether you're talking about, you, you know, when you go down the list of names, some you remember, some you don't, whether it was Chili Davis or John Maley or Anthony Iapochi or Rudy Jaramillo, I mean, just keep going and going and going. Uh, It's just ridiculous that that they can't get this figured out. I feel like they have the hitting situation or the pitching, right? Tommy Hadovy, who's a regular guest on the the Mully and and Haw show. I mean, those are guys that, you know, he's a great guy, and it seems like they have that developing really, really well. Um, But this hitting coach situation, I, I, I can't figure out for the life of me why they can't figure out somebody that can figure that out. Well, two things on that front. I agree. It's it's amazing that they can't figure that out, obviously. But I had thought that after kind of the Chili Davis 
kind of experiments that they had going on. I thought that they had kind of torn it down to the studs, and they were basically looking to implement something from the lowest, lowest levels all the way up to the top that there was going to be a universal approach that all the guys in the hitting coach role, no matter if you were at the major league level or the lowest, lowest of cub levels down in the farm, you were all going to be working under the same philosophical uh, set of ideas. You would know better than me. Did, did, and, how, and, and, long was Greg, how long was Greg Brown in the Cubs organization before he got to the big league level? I'd have to take a look, to be honest. Okay. I can't honestly tell you right there. Because the only thing that makes sense is based on what I just said, because I know that Jed has come on and talked about that. Okay, so the new hitting coach is going to be the Cubs minor league hitting coach, Dustin Kelly. He's been promoted. Um, prior to joining the Cubs, he was the minor league hitting coach of the Dodgers. So, you know, you could always have some Dodgers stink on you. It's not a terrible thing to have. But um, I think it's very different, too, like, the pitching coach and the hitting coach, um, it, it seems like a different thing. And it, it, like, I almost think the hitting coach is more valuable to the team in spring training. I think once the season starts, it's very difficult. Um, but we're not in the clubhouse. We're not in the dugout. We're not in the cages. We don't know what's being discussed. So, listen, they had a bad year hitting, Crawley. We talked about it constantly, constantly on this show. So I hate for a guy to lose his job, but something needed to change there. And I'm sure they talked to some of the guys that they expect to be part of this Cubs thing moving forward. And maybe a guy like Dustin Kelly, who these guys had worked with on a lower level, came with a ringing endorsement. Yeah, I have no doubt about that. And I know that Dustin Kelly uh, also was with Boston for a while. And uh, he he worked, for, he worked for a little while with uh, Tommy Hadovy. So okay. they work with each other. Ah, so there's see little, what we're doing here, Crowley. We're connecting all kinds of dots. There, there's, there's a little bit of history there. All I'm saying is that I really, you know, for the sake of the Cubs and everything that's gone on, I hope this is the end because this is, I mean, Rudy Jaramillo, James Rousen, Rob Deere, <laughs> Mike Brumley, Bill Mueller, Eric Hinsky, John Maley, Andy Haynes, Chili Davis, Anthony Iapochi, Termel Sledge, Chris Valeka, Greg Brown, Jay Washington. Okay, that's just, you know, I know it's you don't almost pay attention like, to the Bears, Crowley, like you pay attention to the Cubs, but that sounds like the, uh, in the same amount of time, the different quarterbacks the Bears have used. I was thinking the exact same thing. So all I'm hoping is, is that they're able to put it together like they've been able to put in that pitching infrastructure, hopefully the, the, the hitting infrastructure. I just think that you need some sort of consistency through all of this. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay. 
You're listening to Season 1, Episode 45. The World Series begins, Crawley, and we're calling this one Schwarber's Team versus Dusty's Team. And again, something that we've promised from the very beginning was to take you behind the scenes, let you guys get to learn about all the people. It takes a village, like they like to say, Crawley. It takes a village to bring you Chicago Cubs baseball at the ballpark, on television, and on radio. And this week, you talk to Jeremiah Estrada. Joining me now for on the Fly the W podcast, I'm joined by Cubs pitcher Jeremiah Estrada. Jeremiah, how are you doing today? Good, good. Thank you for having me on. Oh, we're glad that you're able to make it on. And, uh, you know, I was kind of looking a little bit about you, and you were born in Indio, California, and you attended Palm Desert High School. And it seems like there's – it's like a hotbed in that valley there of baseball players. Uh, you know a lot of the other MLB players that come from the valley? I don't personally know them except for, like, Tyson Miller. Uh, I know him because he was with the Cubs. But uh, Taylor Ward, I've honestly never met. Uh, Brian Servin who's with the Rockies. Uh, we went to the same high school, but he's like a year or two older than me. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, it's good to see those guys coming out of the same valley as, as where I'm from. So. And was that your first love baseball or did you play other sports as well? Uh, I played a lot of other sports. My dad tried to put me in as much as he can. I did, you know, like mixed martial arts, basketball, football, uh, soccer, bat, uh, just whatever I could do. He just wanted right. to be an all around athlete. So. All right. Well, you know, with that MMA, if anyone ever charges the mound, you'll be ready. I'm going to take it right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You know, yep. like I did jujitsu growing up a lot, so I'm I'm ready for that. That'd be fun to do someday. I, I just go old school when I think about Nolan Ryan and Robin Ventura, but uh, that, yep, that's exactly. neither here nor there. But uh, you were committed to play, or you were committed to go to US, UCLA, I believe, correct? Yes, sir. And UCLA then. Brewers. Yeah, and then Theo Epstein did something unusual because they, you know, and during that Theo regime, it ended up being where they would take a lot of like kind of later college players and stuff like that. But you were a high school draft pick. Uh, were there any other teams that were looking at you around the same time when you got drafted by the Cubs? Uh, I'm not quite sure. I know my uh, my dad took care of like, and my my agents took care of like, you know, hey, like don't worry much about what goes on just you know performing the baseball field at the moment during the high school days but um uh, i believe i was at the moment gonna get picked up by seattle i remember for like probably like i, I think that's what i remember i mean i remember i had a little draft party and it was gonna be a seattle was supposed to pick me and then they ended up choosing another guy and i didn't get picked within the first or that that uh, that day on tv and then the cubs picked me up which is great because, you know, Seattle missed out. I'm with the Chicago Cubs now, and I'm enjoying the, the best that I could ever have, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're going to – you know, it's uh, it's a fan base that just loves its players and loves baseball. So you ended up on the good side of that one. Oh, so yeah, you, you get drafted in 2017. You head out to the Arizona Fall League. Uh, but you suffered a sprain, what, UCL, UCL correct? Uh, yeah, so the year I got drafted, which is in 2017, I wasn't hurt. I pitched six innings, and uh, that's uh, that was just the Arizona team during the year, you know. And uh, the next year after that, in spring training, right before we were about to, you know, the teams were about to be prepared to be sent off, I uh, sprained my ECL during spring training. And so you did 22 months, you know, out of baseball, that had to have been difficult. How did you keep yourself – mentally sharp during that time and, and keep from kind of getting into a funk? 
Uh, I mean, it, it was a tough one, you know. I mean, I, I, I get picked up and drafted to do what I do best, which is to throw a baseball, you know, to, to, to perform for the Chicago Cubs and to do my job. And the fact that I just couldn't do what I was meant to do, you know, that kind of did hurt a lot. You know, it was a bit of a, like a, of a depression of a feeling to see like other guys being able to play, other guys stay healthy. And I told myself like, damn, like what am I doing wrong? That's not allowing me to be out there. So, you know, I just did what the coaches and the, the staff and the trainer staff and then what they all told me to do. And, you know, they, um, the Cubs will provide me with the best help that they can give me. And that's why I just, I'm so diehard Cubs right now. And I love the Cubs so much for them taking care of me throughout the year of the, the rehab process. Now, you know, you come back from your injury on June 12th, 2019. You're assigned to the Eugene Emeralds. Unfortunately, they're not part of the Cubs uh, affiliates anymore, but that was the short uh, season single A. You come back, and the first thing you do is you throw an immaculate inning against the first three batters you face since 2017. Nine pitches, all strikes. Did you have any idea that that was happening or no? No. You know, uh, it's funny. That's brought up because that's actually that just got brought up a couple of days ago with my buddy of mine. But um, I just I have no idea. I mean, I, when I'm on my mound, I don't really think much about just like, hey, you know, just get do what you can do with these guys. Throw the best pitch that you can throw. And at the moment, there's just fastballs. You know, kind of like to this day, it was the fastball was the big use for it, and I was able to see like, all right, let's see what these guys can do with the fastball. And I got away with it somehow. And I I forgot, and I was like. I run in, everybody's just like, my buddy's like, damn, I'm back in the inning. I was like, that was nine pitches? <laughs> that was, I don't even know. Now, unfortunately, shortly after that, you know, you, you felt that tightness in your arm again and, and your velocity dropped. Tommy John surgery, which again, it's, I think it's becoming more rare for guys not to have Tommy John surgery. But then the pandemic hits right after that, and you're kind of, you know, that 2020 season, what did you do during that lost minor league season where there was no minor league baseball? Man, I I remember after Tommy John, I I was rehabbing, doing what I did, and I gained a lot of weight during the rehab process. But we had that December right before we went into January or 2020, and I lost like 25 pounds. I worked out. I just went crazy. I was just like, I'm ready for next year. This is my comeback year. I'm ready for it. And I was prepared, you know, mentally, physically. I felt like I was in the best shape of my life. And we go into 2020 and they canceled it. And I was like, no way that just happened. <laughs> so went back home and I was like, I'm going to stay on the grind as much as I can. And it just, uh, within a couple of months, like just that quarantine or the COVID laziness of that year just kicked in. And I was just like, it looks like it's just another off season, I guess. So I did what the Cubs were telling me to do with whatever I did and just stayed home. And that was it just kind of rested throughout the whole year, just waiting to see if it was going to happen again, if it was going to happen the next year. Now, it doesn't. We have baseball in 2021. You're assigned to the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, and you get to play under legendary manager Buddy Bailey and pitching coach Clayton Mortensen. What did you take away from that season at Myrtle Beach? What do you feel like really kind of really you, you learned from that first full season of minor league baseball? I learned a lot, you know, because that was also the first year I was turned into a reliever. And uh, thanks to the pitching staff and especially Coach uh, Coach Mori, and uh, he's the goat. You know, most definitely he's taught me the, uh, a lot with like becoming a reliever. Had of the like, hey, you know, he, he's healthy from the side, and just told me like, learn off your other pitching. 
your other teammates. And I give a huge shout out to, to my teammates at that time, you know, like uh, talking to my guys like Joe Nahas and Bailey Reed, they showed me like, hey, you're going to have to just get up and go. That's just how it is, you know, like throw some balls on the weighted wall, throw the weighted balls on the wall, body blade, start moving like in a couple of innings and before or whatever. Cause I was just like, I remember my first time, I was like, are they going to tell me when I'm going to go in? Like, when do I plan to do this? When do I start? I got to stretch like three innings before. And I was just like, I was just like, I don't know what to do. So thanks to, you know, like with the Cubs, like it, it's a brotherhood with the organization and they helped me uh, be able to adapt that to how to be a reliever. And also with coach Morty too, like, turning me into a reliever and helping me with uh, having to prepare. You know, it was, it was a great experience out there. My fun. Well, you mentioned your teammates. You mentioned Bailey Reed, and it was you, DJ Hertz, Bailey, and Dennis Correa who threw a no-hitter, a combined no-hitter at Myrtle Beach. Uh, you had seven strikeouts through the nine batters you faced. Uh, you, you were the, were you the second one in, right, after, after DJ yeah. was out? And, and and so I mean like you got you guys may have I don't know like in the bullpen did you guys know he had a no hitter going and then I had no idea <laughs> I I did not know because I I did know that there was a couple of guys that were on base and in the bullpen you know to be honest some guys yeah you're we're watching the game but sometimes you really don't pay attention to the game you're just like hanging out with the guys talking about this talking about that playing like talking of games or whatever but I didn't know. I remember just seeing a couple of guys on the mound, but those are from some of them are from Box, and I was like, oh, I didn't pay attention to the scoreboard. And then I go in, and when I go in, I'm just thinking like, try to be lights out every time, and that's what I try to do. And then I got out of the game, and I remember it was the second inning. I walk out to the mound, and I do my prayer, and I look up at the board. I'm like, they don't have a hit, <laughs> and I was like. Oh my God, they have a no hitter going. I was like, and then I started to focus it. And I remember those two guys, like I walked my first like hitter or two, and I was like thinking about it more. So that was a crazy experience, though. That's got to be fun. Uh, unfortunately, uh, August, you know, you end up getting uh, COVID. And yeah. it was, it seems like from everything I read, it was a very serious case. I mean, that had to have been pretty scary. Yeah, a lot of people uh, got the info that I had supposedly had an arm tightness or arm injury again. It was an arm injury. I had just gotten COVID. And, uh, yeah, it got pretty bad. Ended up in the hospital. And it's just uh, a very tragic time to go through. It was a very hard time to go through. But, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big uh, Christian athlete, you know, and my family and I are very Christian Baptists, and we believe in that. We just pray for it. And um, there's only one – reason why I walked out of there is because, you know, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ took me out of that hospital, and uh, I was just happy to be home at the moment, and it, it taught me a lot, you know, it made me grateful for a lot more, and I knew that this year, I was just like, I'm giving all to the glory of God, and he's in full control of what can happen this next year. That's great that, you know, and, and, and so opening weekend, you get, you, you know, you go to South Bend, you're assigned to South, High A South Bend for the 2022 season. I was down there opening weekend at South Bend. And you came in the second game and you struck out all three batters you faced. I said, who is this kid? God, this kid's pumping heat. I'm looking at the gun. I think it was uh, Cole Franklin. No, Cole Franklin started the next day. I think DJ might've started that game, but yeah, you, yeah, you, you, you struck, yeah, you struck out all three batters you faced. Then June 14th, you get moved up to the Tennessee Smokies. And then August 5th, you were promoted to the Iowa Cubs. So you went through three levels of minor league baseball. You threw 48.1 innings. 78 Ks, ERA of 130, and a batting average against of 186. 
I think that's going to play Jeremiah that, that, I mean, as you moved up each level, you know, did you see the level of competition change? Did you not worry about it that much? What were you doing as they kept, as you kept getting these promotions? I, I knew that the, definitely the competition was going to be a lot better. You know, the hitters are going to be a lot smarter, a lot, you know, guys are just going to be pretty different, but, uh, you know, it's just uh, one thing that I know for sure is just you just got to believe in your stuff. I got to trust in my stuff. And what got me here with uh, in South Bend and what I saw from last year more than anything was the fastball. I said, all right, trust fastball, fastball. And in South Bend, it worked. So each affiliate or place that I was going to, I was just not going to sit here and be like, all right, I feel like I got to throw around all these hitters just because they're better. And I just like, you know what, just – Call right out. See what they can do with the fastball first. And then if you need anything, then throw it. And it just worked. So, Well, it did work because at the end of the August, uh, the Cubs needed two people for their – two players for their series in Toronto. There's two guys that couldn't make it. And so you get the opportunity to make the uh, roster. Your MLB debut is on August 30th, bottom of the eighth inning. As you kind of – as your name gets called and you kind of go out there in Toronto – you know, you had some, you know, you had some bumps in the road, obviously. We talked about your injuries and everything with COVID and everything like that. What are you thinking as you're walking out to the mound in Toronto for your first major league relief appearance? Man, honestly, the first thought I thought about getting on the mound was, damn, the lights are bright here. <laughs> you know, I can actually see. But other than that, just thinking about, like, the past, it is, like, it's kind of like, the experience that you think, you know, like uh, what Bryce Harper just said, like when he said, I just did that. Like I thought about, I was like, I just pitched on at Toronto. I ring like at, at, at their field right now. I'm here. Like, you know, I just made it after knowing where I was just that literally just a complete year ago. Cause on the 30th of last year, I was in the hospital and on the 30th of this year, I'm in the big leagues in Toronto. And it, it was just a huge thing to think of and being on that mound to experience that other guys have been there, you know, pitching off of and just pitching the same game as well with Marcus Stroman was a big thing with me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you struck out the first batter you faced, you walked Santiago Espinal, but then you struck out Danny Jensen and you got a weak ground out from JBJ, Jackie Bradley Jr. That had to have been, yeah. you know, feeling good, right? To get out of that inning uh, unscathed. Um, oh yeah. I was just like, all right. First things first, let's get the first guy. You know, trust the first guy. See what they can do. Don't try to throw around him. And it worked. And then I really don't – I don't really know who to Oscar Hernandez was or any other guys, but I didn't know the Jackie Bradley Jr. from the Red Sox. And I was like, oh, my God, that's Jackie Bradley Jr. <laughs> and I was like, I don't, I don't know what to throw to him. And I threw a changeup. I got him with a changeup. And luckily, when he hit that, I was like, oh, that's a hit. And I forgot we get to have a shift. And I was like, yeah, Nico, this guy, he was there. And I was just happy I got out of the inning with a with a, with a uh, headless inning. But I was very upset, though, with the walk. I hate walking people. Understandable. And, and, and you brought up an interesting point about the shift, is that people don't realize that those rules coming in next year were already in place. So pitch yeah. clock, shifts, you're all ready to go. That's not something that's going to affect you at all. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it, the good thing I was able to experience that in the minor leagues and then also to here now. And the pitch clock, like, I know, like, uh, how to prepare myself for the pitch clock now if it is up here or when it comes up to the big leagues next year, if I'm there, you know. And 
I'm just, you know, I guess it's one thing I want to learn the most is to be prepared for no matter what happens on the field, whether if it's a shift, you know, a base hit, the base hit. If someone deserves a hit off me, they deserve it. Yep. And you did make your Wrigley debut on September 7th against the Reds. Talk to me about that Wrigley experience. Was that the first time you were ever at Wrigley Field? I've been to Wrigley, you know, visiting like uh, when I got drafted in, but playing, yeah. And of course, uh, I was just thinking, oh, I wonder what the first hitter is. The first hitter's got to be very important to what happens to me at Wrigley. And first pitch, uh, I, I can't, what was his name? I'd he's a Kino. Kino, <laughs> you know, just kind of made me a little sore neck the day after having to see that bomb go over <laughs> But it's a learning experience, you know. I mean, he's a dangerous hitter. And I can't just get away throwing a uncomfortable slider over the plate, you know. So that's what happens. Well, Jeremiah, I'm not going to blame you on that because Aquino, for whatever reason, just he's what we call a cub killer. He's, he doesn't crush the league, but he loves hitting at Wrigley. When you when you saw the ballpark and and the locker room, I mean, that just is that locker room is something that is is unlike yeah. most in most other stadiums. It's just unbelievable, oh, right? It is ridiculous with the, the honestly just the experience outside of Wrigley, beautiful, absolutely ridiculous. Going inside the locker room. I just I'll never be able to get over it. the experience that I had to be able to with the same team with the with the teammates that we have to just making Wrigley just the best and just being a Cub is just absolutely a blessing. Talk to me about your teammates. Who are the guys that you kind of you kind of kind of maybe keep in touch with? Tech strands keep in touch with in the off season. Who are the guys that you're probably closest to or like to kind of hang out with? Out of the whole organization, or yeah, anyone, anywhere. Man, I mean, I I, I go with. Uh, there's just a lot of guys, you know, I, I love being around all the teammates and all the guys that I can be with. But if there's some guys that I've, like, talked to the most, it'd be, like, DJ Hurst, Joe Nohas, Nehas, and just, like, there's just – DJ is one of the guys that I talk to the most out of the most, to be honest. But uh, there's a lot of guys, you know. Like, I built relationships, too, with, like, uh, Bailey Reed. I had, Bailey Reed is a good friend of my last year, but we got closer this year. Riley Martin, um, Michael Mike and Bean, you know. Uh, just a lot of guys, you know, just a bunch of great dudes. Well, it's got to be exciting because I'm sure you've been invited to your first Cubs convention. Um, I know if they haven't already, they're going to start reaching out to people soon and getting you guys out there. And if you, and Cubs convention, you know, it's weird because they, they have this session It's called down on the farm and they introduce the players to everybody. And you guys are just going to, you know, you get cheered like heroes and, uh, it's weird because I, through the years, I've been going to Cubs convention over 20 years, man. I remember just seeing like a young Javi Baez or, you know, just yeah. some of these things, man. And you just wonder, you know, what's next for all these young players in the careers, but have they talked to you at all about Cubs convention or what to expect? No, I, I haven't been brought up into anything about that. I want to say, I forgot if there is a Cubs con or what's it called. I seen that online, which seems pretty cool, but no, nothing's been brought up. At this moment, you know, it's just been, you know, the off season, take a break from baseball, you know, and do whatever, just be home with the family. You know, this is my first season where I was actually gone for a complete from February all the way till now. So And you have a very close knit family. Your family was at Wrigley Field, I believe, correct? Yeah. They were they were there for quite a bit. They were there since St. Louis till the till New York. Wow. From St. Louis to New York. They were there for a good amount of, of weeks, but um, I love it. You know, I love my family there. I love just, I love having like the people that, you know, that I, like, I just love having people around, you know, like good people. 
Now we talked a little bit, you know, your fastball is really your bread and butter. What else do you like to throw off of that fastball? Off of the fastball would be the slider. As you know, I, I just learned that new, uh, that new slider uh, this year, last year, the combined of this year and last year. But uh, what's always been a bread and butter has been the changeup. I, I have this, I had a good changeup, you know, I still do. I just haven't thrown it much to these guys, you know. I just realized, all right, fastball slider is going to do the job, you know. So once I start to develop my change and begin to fix it in with the actual, like, righties, you know, because I always like to do high fastball and then sometimes inside change up to a righty, you know, get a lot of guys. So, Is there anybody that you watched during your – your again, in a year you went through four different levels, but was there anyone in the minor mm-hmm. leagues that you watched – that you called up your dad and said, Hey man, you can't believe what this guy's doing. Somebody that kind of really impressed you as far as just stuff. Man, every, every, every teammates impressed him, you know, just seeing like, uh, you know, South, South Bend, just like DJ, you know, seeing what he did last year as well. And when I was in Myrtle beach, I didn't even, I didn't even know him last year, DJ. And, uh, that dude's got a wicked change of, you know, I had him as a throwing partner. Um, also Nick Padilla, that dude was an absolute maniac on the mound with his cut rise fastball, his sinker. He was my throwing partner from South Bend all month, and I had to put ice in my hand most of the time because <laughs> that dude would throw these sinkers, and I'm thinking it's right here, and it just goes straight to my palm, and that would hurt. But um, like he he was different, and uh, just the hitters, man, just the, the the staff that we have of like an outfield like Jordan Logo, uh, you know, Pinango, Pete Crow, Armstrong, Owen. Uh, KCO and you know just all these guys that are just ridiculous and you know Kevin Maday like I'm, I was just I've just seen this every I can name every single player you know and like the relationships that I built you know like I was happy to build a lot of relationships with the bullpen you know especially with my really good friend Sammy uh, Reyes who's in Tennessee you know he uh, he was like a really good friend of mine on and off the field more because he was my fishing partner when we were in Tennessee so I gotta ask real quick what did you catch in Tennessee what were you fishing for for bass, that's all we go for. You gotta large just go mouth. for large, largemouth bass. I won't sit there just trying to catch no catfish. I ain't gonna eat it. So, <laughs> well, I'm you know what, man? I am so glad that the Cubs were able to get you in their system. It's just been really fun watching you. Like I said, you know, just to think that I saw you like on that opening day in that very cold April game. And then all the way seeing you play at Wrigley Field, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. And we're going to continue to watch uh, your career grow. And I will hopefully see you at CubsCon, but we appreciate you coming on and we look forward to talking to you in, in the future, Jeremiah. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, hopefully, CubsCon, if I'm invited to CubsCon or not, you know, I'm grateful for whatever, but I'll be able to meet you and the fans there as well. So I'm excited for uh, what could happen next year. All I know is I'll be ready. So. Bigger and better things, Jeremiah. Take care, buddy. Yes, sir. You too. Take care. Thank you guys for having me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season one. It's episode 45. The World Series is here, Crowley. Just a couple more hours until first pitch, and we're calling this one Schwarber's team versus Dusty's team. That means Kyle Schwarber and the Phillies are taking on Dusty Baker's Houston Astros down in Houston. First pitch is tonight. Yeah, finally we're here, and, you know, it's funny because last time we talked a little bit about the ex-Cub factor in here, and there's a couple guys that played a half season here, backup catcher here, but when you think about the two ex-Cubs going into it, you got Kyle Schwarber, you know, obviously 2016 World Series hero, and when you look at the numbers, obviously he couldn't play the field, and so he there's no there was no DH in the NL. I wondered if there was a DH in that 2016 season, if Kyle Schwarber's not the MVP of the World Series. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous what that guy did. And what he, obviously- meant, what he meant to them was unbelievable. Every time you hear an interview with uh, Joe Madden, he says, without Kyle Schwarber, we don't win that thing. Right. And, and then on the other side of it, you got Dusty Baker. I mean, I, ha- I still have my Dusty We Trusty shirt. Uh, it was 2003. <laughs> And he was coming, he just took the San Francisco Giants to the World Series. And, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden he comes to the Cubs and six outs away. And we all know what happened after that. So, I mean, it is, this is not the World Series. Well, I'll tell you this. My AL side of the bracket looked immaculate, impeccable, glorious. My NL side of the bracket was an absolute uh, mess. So, you know, this is not the World Series I expected, but uh, Houston's in it. I, I knew, you know, they were just too good. And, uh, boy, the Phillies just out of nowhere. You think about the Phillies, man. They finished third in the NL East, third. Well, a year ago, right, Crowley, a year ago, they would not have been in the bo- in the postseason based on mm-hmm. it's the new rules. The new rules got them in. Right. 87-75 they finished the season. They struggled for a lot of the season around 500. Joe Girardi, another former Cub. So let's throw that in there. Joe Girardi, former catcher for the Cubs, you know, he ends up getting fired midseason. And, you know, all of a sudden, here, here they go. They turn it around, and they get hot at the right time. They beat the Cardinals, which I didn't – I pricked them against, the Braves and the Padres to get to the World Series. They have two really top starters there, right? Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. That's a good one-two punch you got there. But what are they known for? They're known for hitting big boys, hitting balls far. And, uh, you know, Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, Reese Hoskins, and JT Real Muto. I mean, those guys, any one of those guys can take a yard off of any pitcher. It's unbelievable. Um, Schwarber, you, you remember with Dex Fowler, it used to be like, you go, we go. I always feel the same thing with Kyle Schwarber. If Kyle yeah. Schwarber's on, I feel like he gives that team that little bit of extra gas. But there is no doubt about that uh, Bryce Harper has obviously been the MVP throughout this postseason. Uh, the, uh, he was the NLCS MVP. He hit five homers, including one in the eighth inning to put the Phillies on top of San Diego. He's had 10 runs, a 1.351 OPS in 11 postseason games. It is absolutely remarkable that we watched Bryce Harper kind of grow up a little bit before our eyes, you know? Yeah. And I, I just, you know, the sports, you know, the SI covers and all, all, all the talk, all the hype. 
And now this guy is on the, on the main stage that you wondered if he ever was going to reach and he's here and he's done nothing but perform since he's been up since he's well, been, I, in- I loved, I loved the story after they had won the pennant and the owner actually coming up to him and saying, I could have and should have paid you more money. <laughs> hey man you know what you love to hear a guy actually acknowledge that from the ownership group you know he's already and, and outperformed the 300 and i think 50 million dollars he got right yeah you know and, and and i they are so excited about this world series in philadelphia dustin i was going to ask you I, I looked there was a tweet the other day on the secondary market this is the second highest world series ticket price ever Number one, obviously, Chicago Cubs in 2016. But the number two is the Philadelphia Phillies. And I'm trying to think, you know, it wasn't that long. It wasn't like, you know, it was a lifetime. My dad and I, today is the anniversary of game three of the 2016 World Series. Yeah, Kyle good times Schwarber, right now for all those anniversaries. You got you to gotta keep up with that. Yep, I saw your right. stuff on. I saw your stuff on social earlier today. Right, Kyle Hendricks versus Josh Tomlinson, and 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 I remember, you know, it was like my dad was born in 1946, right? So he literally waited until he was 70 years old to see the Cubs in the World Series. That is literally a lifetime. Yep. Okay, I waited 40 years to see the Cubs in the World Series. I was 40 when that happened in 2016, and so I just sat there and. and I was, you know, obviously there's no doubt that for Cub fans, this was a once in a, you know, who knows? Like you just, you didn't know if this was going to be it. Everyone wanted to be there for that first World Series game at Wrigley Field. Everybody wanted to just be at any game at Wrigley Field. Everybody I know flew in um, back home to just be on the streets in a bar somewhere paying ridiculous prices. It was like $150 to $200 just to walk into a bar. You wanted a chair? Well, that was going to be another $200. You wanted a table? That was going to be another 500 I mean, people didn't care. I'm trying to remember what I did for that game. I mean, obviously, I know I watched it. I think that morning we actually broadcast live from the radio booth the morning of that (laughs) game. So I was down there at 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, but, uh, got the heck out of, got the heck out of there. I, if I would have stayed, I wouldn't have been coherent by the time first pitch would have come around. Well, it was one of those things where they had like this rule, like they had this cordoned off block around Wrigley where you couldn't like get out of like, once you parked, that was it. So I left my car basically for three days. I was there for, you know, I was there for the whole weekend of that, but I, you know, I'm just surprised that the Phillies, when was the last, I'm trying to remember the last time they were there, the Ryan Howard, I think 2009. 2009. Yeah. So it's like, it's not like, you know, like, Oh my God, I get to see my team in the world series. It's, well, I think it's maybe it's, co- I think maybe it's COVID after a couple of years of being cooped up and not getting out. Now it's a big party. And listen, they're a good brand of sport fan. The Philadelphia fans are good. You know, they're definitely in the top five city sports cities. If you, you're going to take a vote top five, I think Philly's in there top five sports cities in the country. So they're, they're good fans. And, and, Listen, I think they're the type of people that like guys like Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber and Reese Hopkins and Relamuto. I think they like that kind of thing. I like they like the the boppers and whatnot. And if you can get Castellanos working going too, that would be all great. Right. You know, yes, he he's had a he's had a pretty good playoff, all things considered. Right, and so they are going to face the Astros. They're going to be facing off in Houston tonight. Um, 
Finished in first place in the West with a record of 106 and 56. Basically, they clinched it like by Memorial Day. It was ridiculous. Crazy. Um, they had a bye in the first round. Seattle gave them a little bit of trouble in the DS, but I think that was kind of a little bit of rust. And then uh, they they absolutely demolished the Yankees. Uh, let's not say demolished, but but just the Yankees had no answer for the pitching. Yeah, so they it's struck that- out. The Yankees struck out 50 times, 50 times in four games. Right. And, and and who would have predicted Justin Verlander being an AL probable Cy Young winner? I mean, you sit there and you look at that and then you got a lot of the guys that are still from the tainted World Series 2017 where you look at, uh, you know, Altuve, Bregman, Gurriel, uh, Alvarez. And then you got some new guys like uh, Justin Pena, the rookie shortstop, who was the ALCS MVP. He finished the ALCS six for 17 with two homers and two doubles, including the one to tie it up in New York, if you know. So you look at that team, and and probably the most underrated aspect of the Astros is that bullpen. I mean, if 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 you don't have if you're trying to make a comeback against that bullpen, best of luck to you, man. Because yeah, if luck, you right? don't absolutely yep. right, if you don't have if you don't have a lead, or at least at the very least tied. I, it's it's going to be hard, man. It's going to be hard for the uh, – I don't care how big these guys are bopping. That bullpen is nasty. All right. Well, based on everything you just said, Crowley, I'm assuming that you're taking the uh, Astros, plus you've been picking against the Phillies this entire postseason. Now, let me just say that, they're, they're, <laughs> that it is there. – there's a difference between what you want in your heart and what you think in your head, okay? So I wanted the Phillies to beat – the Cardinals. I just didn't think they were, I didn't look to down paper. Didn't think it was going to happen. Right. Uh, same, you know, same thing with the Padres, you know, uh, all of those things I just said, and, and, and against the Braves, I just thought there was no way. So again, if I'm looking this on paper and I'm looking at the starters and I'm looking at that team where you look at the Astros, they have the experience. Uh, they have good pitching. They have a phenomenal bullpen and, and, you know, as we talked about in the last episode, I think that if the postseason started two days after the uh, after Houston wins it, right after after they're ready to go, and the momentum's still going and everybody's still hot, then I would pause a little bit more about making this choice. But because everybody's had five days to relax, cool down, I I, I just think I say I'm going to make a prediction. I am going to say. The Astros in five. Astros in five. Wow, that was a popular pick this morning on the uh, Mully and Haw show. Both Mully and Haw were uh, only seeing the Phillies win a game while you're still picking. So who is the MVP then for the Astros? I think they're going to give it to Verlander. Yeah, but he's only going to pitch one. He's a, is he going to pitch more than one game if it's Astros in five? Yeah, he'll pitch the, the two he'll games. Pitch the, he'll pitch the clincher. He'll pitch yeah. one and five. All right. Yeah. Well, okay. So I, I'm going against you, Crawley. That's not a big shock if you listen to this podcast. A lot of times we didn't agree other than the fact that we love the Cubs. And here's why. Because Justin Verlander is 0-6, Crowley, in seven career World Series starts with a 5-6-8 ERA, and he's allowed nine home runs. So you know what I'm doing tonight? I'm betting on the Phillies. I'm All betting right. on the Phillies to win the World Series. I'm betting How many on the games? Phillies to win the World Series in six. I'm betting on Kyle Schwarber to be the MVP of the World Series. And I am betting on Kyle Schwarber to hit 
a home run in his first at bat tonight against Justin Verlander in game one of the World Series, Crowley. That's what I'm thinking. Well, Dustin, I, I, I would be the happiest man if you win that bet. And I, I, I got to tell you, I know people get mad at me and I've talked, you know, we've talked to you and I have both talked to a lot of baseball people over our years, over the years. Uh, and I am not a big Dusty Baker fan. Um, he left, a, you know, there's a real sour taste in my mouth when he left. Um, I was there to quote the great, uh, Les Grobstein. I was there in 2003 for all the games. I was there for game six. I was there for game seven. And the thing I always think about with game six is after there's six outs, you left, you know, six outs from the world series and the Cubs are leading three to one. There's, you know, you get that, you get now one more out five outs before that pop that fly ball that's right into short left field. And what happens with Alu happens. And, you know, all of a sudden everybody in the park kind of felt that, you know, Alou's yelling into the stands. He's yelling at the ump. Everybody's yelling at the ump. It was interference. I mean, it clearly wasn't. We know that now, but I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the dugout and I'm kind of got my head kind of trying to look over. Is somebody going to come out? You know, and, and this is the time where the bullpens were still, below my seats, nobody's up. And Pryor's thrown a lot of pitches. Now, mind you, that bullpen in 2003 was the Achilles heel of that Cubs team. Mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe maybe you put in Matt Clement. I don't know. Maybe, you know, do whatever. But I'm sitting there, and nobody's up, and nobody comes out just to talk to the team. Like, you know, if I'm Dusty, I come out and say, hey, guys, you know what? No big deal. Let's just kind of, you know, calm it down, get the next out. You guys got this. Let's do what we keep doing all year, and let's win. Boom, something. I just felt that he mismanaged that whole situation. And afterwards, in when they were asking about Barman and this and that, you know, if you ask Dusty now, oh, I didn't think the kid had anything to do with it. Oh, it was all those Cub fans. No, dude, I heard you in the post game, and you were just as <laughs> frustrated and accusatory as everybody else. Now you're trying to rewrite history, and you're rolling it. Game seven. Kerry Wood versus Mark Redman in the Marlins. And I'm looking here and neither pitcher really has it. You know what I mean? All of a sudden Kerry kind of ran out of gas. Redman isn't, wasn't that great of a pitcher anyway. Kerry Wood hits that home run and Wrigley shaking, literally shaking. And, but, but I'm worried about it. And when I looked at the bullpen, Jack McKeenan was getting starters up to close this thing out where Dusty was going with his old tried and true bullpen, which was just awful. And I just felt he was outmanaged by Jack McKeenan in game seven of that. And, and then, you know, just, he always kind of had, I just don't think he, he, he didn't like Cub fans afterwards. And I just, I, I feel like he's somebody that makes a lot of excuses and I know he partied with Jimi Hendrix and he played with Hank Aaron and you can sit there and tell me all the great dusty stories. I just think a lot of times too much, the national media kisses his rear end. Um, I think he, like I said, to me, he was a guy that just, he never took accountability. Like I would have liked to have seen it. Um, and, and, and I just, like I said, Hey man, Hey dude, it got old real, real quick for me. And so I don't want to see him win. Maybe I'm a bitter cub fan that, that, that just kind of holds on to grudges too long. You know, I just know how the media is going to blow it out of proportion. If dusty wins the world series. So I am a hundred percent rooting for the Phillies but I am also 85% sure that Houston's going to win it in five. All right. Well, uh, I'm not a huge Dusty Baker fan either. 
Uh, go Phillies. I've got Phillies in six. Kyle Schwarber, a big reason for that. Uh, Crowley's got the uh, Astros in five. He's going with Verlander. I think tonight will really set the tone for the whole thing, Crowley. I really, really do. That's another reason why I am very curious. I'll have the DVR fired up because I am going to be paying attention to high school football tonight. But uh, I will get to this and we'll watch it. Crowley, have a great uh, weekend. Enjoy the games. There will be two games. And then uh, we will get back uh, early next week, maybe a, a Tuesday edition. We have to look and see what the days off are, plus Monday's Halloween. So it might be a little dicey with all the uh, trick-or-treaters knocking on the door and the animals going ballistic. So we might have to wait a day on that. All right, Crowley, enjoy your weekend. That's a wrap. This was uh, season one, and we called this one Schwarber's team versus Dusty's team on the Fly the W670 podcast. Don't forget to follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter and Instagram, Fly the W on Facebook. You can email us your thoughts and suggestions at flythew670 at gmail.com. And go Kyle Schwarber. Go Kyle Schwarber.